We're continuing our study in Galatians and the, the idea that the truth that uh, the gospel is Jesus Christ plus nothing, that everything flows from this glorious gospel, that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection uh, is, is the perfect offer, the complete offer of salvation, that no one comes to, to God apart from the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that, that it is Christ plus nothing, that that gospel that God has offered is sufficient to save anyone who believes by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, salvation can be offered. And Paul, what he's doing here in chapter 2, is, is establishing unity amongst great diversity. And, and the same gospel that allows for differences among us and the grace given to us is, is, is going to be different between a Jew and a Gentile, but it's the same gospel. What it looks like, how it is approached may be different. But what Paul is establishing it is there is one gospel. There's not a gospel for the Jews. There's not a gospel for the Gentiles. There's one gospel. And, and it is a longing. Paul is, Paul is establishing here for us, and even that day, a longing and a pursuit for what matters the most, and that is protecting the gospel and then living it out. We will see next week in verses 11 through 14, where Paul confronts Peter. Because Peter was not living and in line with the truth of the gospel. But everything we see here in chapter 2 is building on the integrity of the gospel, the independence of the gospel. Paul makes it very clear here. Hey, I didn't get my gospel from the leaders. I didn't get my gospel from anybody. This gospel was given to me from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes up to Jerusalem to show that, to confront that. And what Paul is, is, is going to do here, ultimately, is he's going he's to establish and, and really bring to a, a togetherness the Jew and the Gentile. And, and they're going to learn to set aside the non-essentials. They're going to learn to focus on the essentials and not the non-essentials. There would have been no greater differences than a Jew and a Gentile. We can think of people today that we have nothing in common with. Listen to me, no greater differences. The Jew would not, not only would they not eat what a Gentile ate, they wouldn't eat what a Gentile, they wouldn't even cook or, do, or, or clean or do anything with where a Gentile did it. Most of, most of what Jesus was, was uh, pursued about with the Pharisees, you'll see it, is he was eating with sinners. The Jews would not have seen themselves as such. You're eating with sinners? You're eating with Gentiles? Humongous differences. Even then, but also today, listen, Satan wants us to be divided over non-essentials. And, and the, he wants us to, to be divided over things that are, that are not gospel-centered. He wants us to be a, a people that, that divide over these things rather than just being a sinners in the presence of a holy God, saved by grace through faith alone. Nothing of our own merit, in spite of our own selves, God has offered salvation. He is, besides the Jew and the Gentile, think about it, there will be no greater differences between us sinners and a holy God. And yet God, through the death of His Son, the burial and the resurrection of His Son, has offered us, as Lee said, to, and he calls us brother. Think about that for a second. He doesn't call us slave. 
calls his brother. And we'll, we'll see later on in Galatians 3 that, that through faith we all have become children of Abraham, just like the song says. And it's the gospel. What Paul is putting forth is, is it's, the, it's the gospel that fuels our unity with others who are different from us, but have been saved by the same grace. I mean, I, I think about Fellowship 3. That, that's why we do that here. To put people that are different, all part of one body together. Is it work? It's absolutely work. We, we've had a hard time this time trying to get our group together, but it's worth it because it's unifying. And you stick at it. And, and, and the Word of God, what he establishes, Paul does here, the Word of God is our authority and the grace of God is our motivation. This week in verses 1 through 10, we'll see the Word of God is our authority. Next week, Paul's whole motivation for confronting Peter is, is the gospel. It's grace. He was acting in a way that was not in line with the gospel, and it was causing disunity. It was causing confusion surrounding the gospel, and therefore Paul confronts him. It had nothing to do with personal preference. It didn't have anything to do with Paul's hobby horse. It didn't have anything to do with just, I wish you'd do it the way I want to do it. It had everything to do with the gospel. Keeping the main thing, the main thing, being united over the gospel, being willing to disagree over non-essentials, but to confront over the essentials. That's the challenge of what God is doing in a very diverse body. He is bringing a bunch of people together it, to form one body who are utterly different. You even look around a room small like this one. We are different. And yet we're unified. And if you're in Christ, if you've had your sins forgiven, you're my brother and you're my sister, you're family. Regardless of all these other things that we'll see today that we may do differently, you're my brother and you're my sister, therefore we can be unified. And the main point of what he says there, you'll see on your handout, the main point I want you to walk away from here today is this, that the word of God and the gospel it reveals is our authority. It is our authority. And it is that that brings unity across racial, ethnic, all kinds of dividing lines. It's the gospel that brings unity. That all peoples, all nations, everyone can be one body in Christ through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you look, look in chapter 2, look, you look at verse 2, it was because of the revelation that I went up and submitted to them the gospel that I preached. Look at verse 5. But we did not yield in subjection to them even one hour so that the gospel would remain with you. Verse 7, But on the contrary, seeing that I had been trusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised and Peter to the circumcised. Verse 9, Recognizing the grace had been given to me. That's the gospel. Paul, Paul is battling and contending here for the integrity of the gospel. And this is the reason why he initiated this meeting. You can imagine him being a Jew, now preaching a gospel to the Gentiles that had nothing to do with the Mosaic Law, had nothing to do with, with circumcision, had nothing to do with eating certain meats or not eating certain meats. He had set all that aside because Christ had fulfilled it. It was not the gospel. And, and you can imagine the, the trouble Paul would have faced. You can imagine the, the, the whispers of heresy. That, that he had gone off the deep end. And what Paul is contending for here is the integrity of the gospel, and Paul himself is standing on that 
true gospel. He is preaching, Paul, a Jew, is preaching Christ alone. Salvation is in Christ alone. That the law had nothing to do with your salvation. That salvation was built totally upon the work of Jesus Christ who fulfilled the law. And again, you can imagine Paul's contemporaries, Jewish contemporaries, spreading rumors that Paul had gone mad that he had departed from the true faith, the, the, the faith that the other Jewish apostles held, supposedly. And so Paul goes to them. That Paul is preaching a gospel that, that is totally he has totally divorced salvation from law, totally divorced salvation from anything meritous on our, on our end. And they're calling Paul a liar, they're calling him a traitor. All throughout Paul's ministry he faced these accusations. And, and there is conflict. And listen, the conflict surrounds the gospel itself. It surrounds the conflict. I mean, it's about the gospel. 2 Timothy 3.12, Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Where the gospel is preached, when you don't alter it, when you don't conform it to the culture, when you don't, when you don't make it this way for these people and this way for these people, there will be conflict. These are not supplementary side issues. These aren't preference issues. These aren't personal issues. The issue here is how is a person saved? That's the issue Paul is dealing with. How is a person saved? How is a person reconciled, a sinner reconciled to a holy God? Is it faith in Christ plus do all this stuff? Or is it faith in Christ because Christ was sufficient and accomplished all this stuff for us? Which is it? Is it Christ plus something? Or is it just totally faith in Christ? And that faith in Christ produces the life that it produces. I mean, the issue at hand is can Gentiles be included in the people of God? That's the issue. Can non, for, for the Jewish person, can non-Jews be believers? And if so, does a non-Jew have to act like a Jew? Do they have to do the things that a Jewish person does? Namely, the law, circumcision, these things. Can they, can they eat these? Can they not eat these? That's the issue. Is this a big issue? That, that's why Paul here, you see there that he took Titus. Verse 3, but not even Titus who was with me, though he was a Greek. Do you understand? He, he is taking a Greek individual who is saved in front of them and saying, hey, here's my case study. Does Titus need to be circumcised to be saved? Or is he saved as a Greek by faith alone in the blood, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? That's the issue. Is he equally a part of God's people? And again, the true gospel is at stake. Not only that, unity between Jew and Gentile is at stake. Unity amongst the church, the people of God. I mean, if this thing isn't settled, you can, you can imagine the, 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 the disunity. Really, you're going to have a split between Jew and Gentile. The people of two distinct people, two different ways of salvation are going to be preached if they don't get this right. If they don't agree on this, you, you can flip over if you later on to Acts 15. A very similar account is regarded there at the Council of Jerusalem. There, there's much debate 
over whether these are talking about the exact same things. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I think this that the Council of Jerusalem in, in Acts 15 probably occurred um, a little later. This meeting probably occurred a little bit before that. But either way, the, in, the outcome of both cases is this. The Jerusalem leaders, Jews, Peter, James, and John, listen to me, they added nothing to Paul's gospel. The Jewish leaders added nothing to Paul's gospel. Faith in Christ alone. Salvation is by faith, is by grace through faith alone. That was the outcome. And they went so far, you see, in, in verse 7, that, in 6 and 7, that they gave him the right hand of fellowship. That, that, that's more than a handshake. It was an official agreement. They officially endorsed Paul and Barnabas and their ministry. They affirmed that Paul's gospel was indeed from God as he had said it was. That you are saved by grace through faith alone. L l listen to me in, in Acts 15. I, I want to read just... 6 through 11. Acts 15, verses 6 through 11, because it's important. Listen, to, in both cases, whether they're different or the same, listen to the truth. The apostles and the elders came together to look at this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us, and, made him, and he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the necks of the disciples a yoke, which neither their fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. You see the point? We're saved by grace. It's not grace plus what I bring to the table. It's not grace what I bless what I can do to God. It's not grace plus clean my act up. No, no, it's grace. That grace will clean your act up. But you're saved by grace. One way to salvation for all people, and this was huge. Paul would have a ministry to the Gentiles. You see that in, in verse 7 through 9. Peter would have a, gen, a, mess, a, a ministry to the Jews. But listen, they would preach one gospel. To the Jew, to Gentile alike, they would preach one gospel. Would their means be different? Would their ways be different? Unequivocally, yes. But they would preach one gospel. Different ways, different methods, same gospel. God was working among the Gentiles just as He was working among the Jews. Different peoples, one gospel. And, and you see that in 1 Corinthians 7. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7. We, we can learn a lot from him. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each to this man or let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He was not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been uncircumcised? He is not to be circumcised. Listen, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Listen, what he's saying is, by grace, through faith, alone. And then you're walking in that grace because the Holy Spirit in you empowers you to walk 
in that grace. Listen to 1 Corinthians verse 9, what Paul says. For though I am free of all men, verse 19, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I become a fellow partaker of it. Different, but unified. Different approaches, but a unified gospel. And that was always Paul's goal. And here's what I want us to see. The gospel, you see it on your handout, formed not only the goal of their ministry, we've seen that, but the boundary of their ministry. The boundary of their ministry. The boundary, really, of their fellowship. Everyone who was in Christ, everyone who was teaching a true gospel, guess what they did? They offered them the hand of fellowship. Did they have different approaches? They did. But if they were preaching the true gospel, salvation by grace through faith, they offered them the hand of fellowship. Cooperation, approval. But conversely, anyone who stepped outside of that boundary was not offered the hand of fellowship. They were excluded. Why? Because it, they were offering a false gospel. And the bottom line of what we see even for date as a church is this, that we will differ on many points. We will differ. Cultural differences, personal preferences and differences, the simple fact that we have much freedom in Christ, but where we cannot differ is the gospel. The point that we cannot differ on is how is someone saved from the penalty of their sins? And the truth that everyone agreed upon, Jew and Gentile alike, were that Jews and Gentiles were accepted by God on the basis of faith in Christ alone. That is how a man is accepted before God, by faith in Christ alone. What Paul is saying is, listen, if Christ accepted, every, if, if Christ accepted these other groups fully, then what about you and me? If Christ has accepted you and you're a sister or brother in Christ, why shouldn't I? If Christ is willing to call you brother and sister, why wouldn't I? Without discrimination, there was unity amongst great diversity. And what everyone agreed upon was this, salvation is by grace through faith, that man is justified apart from the law. That's Romans 3.20 and 21, but now, there is, but now apart from the law, salvation has been offered to all men, apart from the law. The righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Again, this was not a new salvation. This was not a new, this is the way it always was. Christ was always promised. God had always promised one who would obey the law perfectly that would redeem his people. And the application for us, the application for us today is this, that, that we better, if Christ is willing to call us one body, though we have differences, so long as we agree on the gospel, we better be careful today how we divide up churches and how we divide each other. 
the, the division, the, the evaluation of the potential division here was over the gospel. It wasn't over other things. They found commonality and agreement in seeing that God was at work in both of their ministries, that there was one gospel. And what we see here and what we learn from this is this, that unity in Christ and around the gospel, when recognized and lived out, should erase a lot of differences and conflicts in a church because we're unified in Christ. I was was reminded of this even, even last week, and I don't hold myself up to be a perfect parent. I mean, yesterday, I was reminded of that even this morning, just the graciousness of God is... Yesterday, we, we, we had some passes, and we went to Bush Gardens, and, and we had bought this refillable thing for $10, and you take it all year, and you get free drinks or whatever, and so we thought it'd be a good deal. Well, guess what? The second trip there, someone in our family loses it, and, and, and it wasn't me. Um, my pride wants you to know it wasn't me, but Brad, Bradley and I were there, and, and, he, and he lost it, and, and John had called me and said, hey, I think Bradley lost the... I had taken his, some of the kids that way, and he went that way. And, you know, and I just, thankfully, there was a time where I could just calm myself, you know, just think through it. So we talked about it on the way home and while I got my thoughts together. But guess what? Karen, Karen is sick. Sarah Grace is sick. And Karen had done some work and said, Chris, I'm going to set these things right here. You need to take them to church tomorrow because I won't be there. And uh, you need to make sure they get there. Well, guess where they are? They're right where they're right where Karen left them. Now, thirteen years of marriage, she ought to know. If you want me to do anything, you better make it real easy. Like you better put them in the car. So guess what? I'm calling Barbara this morning, my mother-in-law. First thing, hey, will you go by there? Will you rescue me? Will you save me and sneak into the house while Karen's asleep and get them things in your car and get them out here? Here's the thing, the same forgetful, where did Bradley learn to be forgetful? My genes, my genes. Karen will tell you that. But, but here's, here's and, 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 and I was reminded of that because I had a conversation with him just the other day about, what, about the brother and sister relationship and what that means. He, he wanted to do something with some boys. And Sarah Grace doesn't have as many bo- girls in our neighborhood as he does boys, and so he... She wants to hang out with her brother, and he didn't want her to, but he, he, she went with him, and so I followed him just to watch, just to see what would happen as a dad. I, w- I was just standing in the middle of the street. I wasn't hiding behind a bush. I wasn't like Nicodemus up in a tree or anything. I was just watching and listening, because they're loud like I am. You can hear them all over the neighborhood. You don't got to be stealth. And about two minutes into this, Sarah comes walking around the corner crying. And it was interesting. The second... And I heard everything that happened. The second she turned that corner and saw me, her countenance changed like that because she knew my brother just got caught. That boy, I don't have to say nothing to my dad. He saw the whole thing. And I said, Sarah, let's, let's, uh, let's go over here and uh, I'll play with you, Sarah. What do you want to do? She says, I want to ride our bikes down to the, to the farm that has the animals we can pet. I said, let's go. Next thing you know, Bradley heard us. Where are y'all going? We're going down to the farm. Oh, I want to go. And in my flesh, I'm like, Bradley, you don't want to play with your sister, but now all this time something is good, now you want to play with your sister. And, and my point to him was this. In 35 years from now, I promise you, you won't know any of these boys that you're choosing over your sister. 
And in 35 years from now, by God's grace, guess who is still going to be your sister? Sarah Grace. For all of eternity, you who are believers in Jesus Christ are going to be my brothers and my sisters. For all of eternity. Why would I choose to divide over that? Why would I not choose to embrace that? Better yet, why would I choose the things of the world and these other things that divide? Why would I choose something over here that's simply going to divide the family relationship that Jesus Christ had to die to establish? We're unified in the gospel. If, if Jesus Christ could forgive you, then I should be able to forgive you. If Jesus Christ can call you brother and sister, then I ought to be able to call you brother and sister. But, 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 but our flesh and all this stuff, our selfishness, you think about all the ways that our churches are divided today, the true, believing, gospel-centered churches. Think, think about how they're divided over music, over worship style, whether or not you have pews, whether or not you have this beautiful green carpet that we're blessed with, the style of the building, whether or not, well, are, what, what is your approach to alcohol? You'd be amazed at how many times, the questions that I get asked when, when, I'm, when I'm being sort of interviewed by people over what our church is about. You'd be amazed. Clothing, the volume of sound, the type of service, whether it's contemporary or traditional. If I asked you what a contemporary service was, there'd be 50 answers of what a contemporary service is. We can't even agree on what the word contemporary means. The name of the church, the denomination. And the reality is, in our sinfulness, one of these groups usually tries to impose itself on the other. We want our way. We selfishly want our way. We want our preferences held high. We want to be catered to. And so when we don't get our way, you know what the Christian thing to do is? To form a group of people from amongst this church who think like me and act like me and do everything like me. Well, let's just go start something else. That's not the church. That God is not honored in that. God is honored and glorified by a group of people that can be united over the blood of Christ, not their personal differences and opinions and preferences. That's called selfishness. I mean, if, if my two kids were playing and you, they said, well, I'm just going to take my toys and go home, I would reprimand them for that. But yet in the body of Christ, that's called a church plant. That, that's called selfishness. I mean, you think about this. You, you think about it. I mean, how many times have we driven to, in, a, in, a, in a place and you pull up to a four-way stop and there's four different churches that would have essentially the same, the same theological beliefs, the same gospel, the same everything. The people look the same, but they just plop a different name on, it, on the wall and they are divided and then they end up talking about the other church and act like they're competing with them. That, that's not church. That, that's not the reason, that's not the way God meant for His church to behave. Will we, we need different churches, I'm not saying that, but we need to be united around the gospel. Any church in this community that preaches the gospel, we will link arms with. I don't care what they look like, what their music is like, any of that stuff. If it is sound, lyrical music, guess what? You can worship God by it. The lyrics are what make the music count. You know, 
there would have been no difference bigger than a Jew and a Gentile. And Paul and Peter recognized different callings, but one gospel. And you know what they did? They linked arms in fellowship and they said, we're both working towards different people for the same gospel. And in the body of Christ, we need to recognize that there are different ways to do things, whether music or beyond. But we can still be focused on the gospel. And that same gospel is at the heart of our singing. No matter the style, music for instance, let's just take that, that seeks to praise the Lord, no matter the style, if it is centered on the gospel like it was today and like Daniel seeks to do every Sunday, it deserves our respect no matter what, no matter if we like it or not. No matter if it's in 2-4 and we hate 2-4 and we want it to be in 4-4. No matter if there's drums and we hate the drums. Guess what? Focus on, the, focus on the God behind which the lyric was written. We can be unified on that. And, and fundamental to Christianity has always been the fact that there were different callings and, and movements within cru- true Christianity, but the gospel remained at the center. At the end of the day, one of the most difficult things about the body of Christ is that we will not all act and look alike. You don't need a bunch of Chris Bashams because we'd be forgetful and we'd get nothing accomplished. I mean, the, the very paper that tells me all the facts about the Rickles, you know where it is? It's not on my desk where it should have been. It's sitting at my house. Todd said, you forget? No. The paper? I, I realize that about myself. We, we won't look alike. Our clothes are going to be different. The translation of the Bible that we read will be different. The school we attend will be different. Some want public school. Some want private school. Some want homeschool. But here's what happens. We end up looking at the people who don't do what we do, and we become divided. You're not as big a Christian because you don't go to private school, or you don't homeschool, or you're public school. Who cares? God, God desires His people be in all of those realms. Why? For the gospel for the gospel. If you're in a private school, go there every day equipped to share the gospel, to be like Paul, to to do whatever it takes short of sin to win the more to Christ. If you're at a public school, go there to win the more to Christ. If you're at homeschool and you meet with other homeschoolers, go there with the gospel. Differences are okay up to the point where the gospel is compromised and there will stop. We we don't have time, but you can read that in, in, in Romans 14. I'll just read one verse. For the kingdom of God, listen to this, in Romans 14, the issue is eating and what not to eat and all that. Listen to what he says. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. If he is acceptable, he or she is acceptable to God, guess what? They're acceptable to us. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what style of music, all that stuff. They're acceptable. And the beauty of this, and, and grasp this. The truth is that we serve a God who works in different ways with different people in different parts of the world. I'm building here. Think about that. Different ways with different people, different parts of the world, same gospel. When we grasp what God is doing all over the world, when we grasp that reality that all over the world, People are worshiping the same God through the same gospel that you and are today. Not only will our world be enlarged, but our perception of God will be enlarged. 
That's how great a God we serve, that all over the globe, people are worshiping the name of our Lord through the blood, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But, but not only our perception of God, when we grasp this reality, our realization of what the church really is gets magnified. You go to Revelation 20, you see at the end of the day, at the end of the time, guess what? People from all different tribes, nations, and tongues, you know what they're doing? They're worshiping the same God, the God of this Bible, Jesus Christ whom He sent. And we're to accept everyone who is accepted in Christ. We'll see that in Galatians 3.28 if we ever make it there. There's neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. The same gospel reaches different people through different ways and means, but it's the same gospel. Listen to what Paul says at the end. He's talked about the Israel in Romans 9-11. through 11. He says in verse 33 of chapter 11, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor? Who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. One gospel. That may look different in some of our lives. It's one gospel. And we're going to embrace people based on that gospel. And we'll see next week, if they depart from that gospel, if, they, if someone in here starts living a life not in line with that gospel, you know what we're going to do? We're going to confront them. We're going to confront them lovingly with the goal of bringing them back to the gospel. We'll talk about that next week. We're not in competition, as I said, with any other churches that preach the gospel. We, we will differ, but listen, we will differ over the gospel at, at times, and amongst some denominations out there have, have added stuff to the gospel. When we differ, we're going to stand up and fight for the gospel because it's, because it's worth it, and we will differ. We will not offer a hand of fellowship with a church that is not by grace through faith alone. If it's grace plus anything, we're not offering fellowship because you've perverted the gospel. That's in my life, that's in your life, that's in the corporate life of this church. Paul himself was not willing to budge when it came to the gospel. He says, not even one hour did I budge. But listen to me, the flip side of that is we'll embrace any church that shares the gospel that we, that we share. Any church. Doctrine and truth matter. This, Paul is saying that doctrine and truth matter matter. That's why we do everything we do here. That's why we want to go deep here, because listen, even the smallest deviation from truth today can take you to places in a year, six months, two years down the road, you'll never ever imagine you'd go. I, I love to play golf. And, and when you swing a golf club, the, the idea is, is for that club to be square to the ball when it meets the ball. There are, you looking at, you watch golf this afternoon they're down in Palm, Palm Beach or somewhere, the Honda Classic. There's, you watch 20 different people, 20 different golf swings, but here's what's constant. When that club face gets to the ball, it's square. And if it's not, even the millimeter, a millimeter of difference, 300 yards down the fairway, that ball is off in someone's yard. 
a millimeter here, way out there, is 30, 40, 50 yards off to the right or the left. It's the same way with truth. You deviate from truth just the smallest bit today, and if we don't bring you back, if God's grace doesn't draw you back, you find yourself in places you never, ever imagined you'd be. You say, how did I get there, Chris? Little by little. Little deviations from the truth. Little deviations. How did I end up in that bunker? You were about a millimeter at, at impact, and you never corrected it. Left unchecked. Seems innocent at first. The point is this, unless we go deep in the gospel, unless we go deep in this word, we won't be able to notice that we're a millimeter off. That's why, these, that's why these golfers all have coaches who can watch them and teach them, you know what, everything looks good except you're doing, oh, I need to do this. That's why we have the church. Hebrews 10 says to encourage one another, to spur one another on, to say, you know what, Bobby, I hadn't seen you in a little while. You know what, Chad, I haven't seen you in a little while. What's going on? And that's loving. It's not judgmental. It's like a golf coach saying, hey, Chris, at the top, your hands are... Okay, he doesn't mean... He's not... He's doing that for my good. And if we vary from truth today in 10 years, who, know where, who knows where we will end up if we're not corrected? And the gospel and truth alone are worth dividing over, not mere preferences. They are worth dividing over. If you live a life... That is, that is inconsistent with the gospel, we're going to confront you in, in 1 Corinthians 5, Matthew 18, all over. We're going to confront you. We're going to do it biblically. And we're going to do it with love. Our job is to correct and guard truth. You would not be loving to allow your kids to say, you know what, I know that's a lie, but just let them believe it. I don't want to, I don't want to confront them. Yeah, I know that's not, just let them go. It's okay. Let them, that, that would be unloving. You and I add nothing to the message. Our job is simply to submit to the message and preach the message. That's Romans 10. How will they hear unless somebody preaches it to them? And, and it starts with, with us accepting one another who are saved by this gospel and loving one another and weeping with one another and, and, and rejoicing with one another, not being in competition even amongst one another here. God's blessings over here does not mean that He hates you over here. And God's blessing over here doesn't mean God is against you over there. We're one body. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. And at the end of the day, listen, what he's saying is, no matter how hard you try, you cannot make yourself acceptable of God. You cannot make yourself acceptable of God on your own. Because ultimately, listen, ultimately, and you see it on your handout, Christianity is about who we are in Christ, not what we can do for Him. Colossians 1, and we'll close. We had a lot going on this morning, so don't blame me. We're getting out late, but don't, don't, don't blame me. Totally. Colossians 1. And although you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, less, listen, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death, in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue to fir in, in faith firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven. You see how it all goes back to the gospel? Remaining steadfast and pure to the gospel? Our holiness is not through our own effort, it's through Christ. Our righteousness is not through our own effort, it's through Christ. 
are to, having been declared clean is not by my goodness or bad. It's through Christ. Believe that. Live that out. And that your righteousness and your cleanness and your holiness is the same. We're one body. Many different parts. Many different functions. Saved by one gospel. Some of you are the toes. Some of you are the feet. Some of you are all kinds of stuff. One body. Different functions. And we come to Jesus Christ alone through faith, by grace. The death, the burial, the resurrection. You look at, as he referenced, as Clay referenced, Romans, I mean, 1 Corinthians 15, all three are absolutely essential. It's not just that Jesus died. It's not just that he was buried. It's that three days later he was resurrected. Resurrected. Hebrews says he lives to make intercession for us. 1 John 2, 1 rather. The question today is this. Are you in Christ? 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Not did I go to church, not did I love my wife, or was I a good father, or I read my Bible, or I prayed, or did I... Is Christ in you? That's the test. I don't want to hear your resume. God doesn't want to hear your resume. He wants to hear, is Christ in you? And the reality is, if you will repent of your sinfulness, acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner, that sin separates you from God, that that gulf can never be bridged on our own, that's exactly what Jesus Christ came to do, to build a bridge between a holy God and a sinner like you and me. The Bible says, if you all who call upon, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Unless indeed you fail the test. And when I stand before our holy God, and he says, Chris Basham, why should I let you into heaven? It's going to be this, because of what your son did on a cross. And three days later, he, died, he was resurrected. Has zero to do with me. It has nothing to do with the sermons I preach or anything. It has everything to do with Christ. And we're going to be unified on anybody, anywhere, anytime, who is agreeing upon that gospel and is living it out. And so should you individually. We can't let little, little preferences and all these things that Satan wants to divide us over, not corporately nor individually. We are one in Christ. We are brothers and sisters. Just like I told Bradley and Sarah, we ought to love each other more than we love people out. We, we go after the people in the world. Listen to me. We go after them for the sake of the gospel. But, but we love one another, especially because we're brothers and we're sisters. Let's be a church that refuses to let anything divide except the gospel. And let's be a church that's willing to do anything and have the grace to do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. It may look different in your life than it does in my life. It may look different in yours and mine, but all for the glory of God and all for the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen.